You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Welcome, good to have you here tonight. If you're uh, here for the first time or the first time in a long time, a very special welcome. If you're listening online, great to have you with us here at Centro Church. I want to share with you tonight a, uh, uh, what some of you might find difficult to comprehend or understand, and, and that's okay. Uh, I'm not going to try to convince you this is the case, merely point to the implications of it and tell you there are more than one application of what Paul writes in terms to a bunch of Christians at a place called Corinth uh, about, their, um, about their, their finances and about sowing and reaping. He says this in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 uh, and verse 8, he says, But I say, whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Now, that's common sense. You reap what you sow. You sow a large field, you reap a large crop. You sow a small field, you reap a small crop. You haven't got to be Einstein to figure out what he's saying there. Makes sense. But then he, if you like, seems to change tack. He seems to shift the discussion like 90 degrees to the left. He says this. So let each one give as he's purposed in his heart. So he goes from this sowing and reaping metaphor or concept to the idea of giving. He says, let each one give as his purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you having all sufficiency in all things may, able to, may, um, may, may be able to abound to every good work, may have an abundance for every good work. He unquestionably here draws a really bizarre parallel between sowing a field with seeds of wheat or barley or rice to what you do with the card, with the heart, the card, the card hold, the whole, the card, <laughs> that's all folks, the cold hard cash that you have in your wallet, your purse, your pocket, uh, stuffed in your shoe, wherever it is you put your money. Uh, there's five bucks I hold in my hand. Anybody can count the amount of dollars this note is worth. It's easy to count because it's got a little symbol on the corner there. In case you're a little daft, it tells you this is worth five, five dollars. So if I go to the shop and if I buy four dollars worth of mixed lollies, because I love mixed lollies, and, uh, and I give them a five dollar note, they will return me exactly Oh, mathematical geniuses fill the house tonight. They will return me one dollar. Very, very good. Well, what Paul has just said, right? So just to get you onto the page with this and, and, and see how you go with this, all right? See whether or not you can cope with this. What Paul is saying is that this is not some inanimate kind of, you know, uh, just an object. He says there's a life to it. You can bring a life to it. You can sow it. And it will bring a harvest. You can, in a sense, the same way that you take a, a handful of grain and put it into the ground, or you take some seeds, whatever kind of seeds you might uh, be looking to reproduce, uh, carrot or, um, or uh, celery, whatever, you, you sow that into the ground, you, you wait a while, then you reap a harvest. He's saying this, you sow this, you can reap a harvest. Now, as I said a moment ago, <laughs> And I'm not having a shot at anybody, but any dopey Dora can tell that that's $5, right? Um, but who can count how much that $5 note holds within it? What's the potential of that $5 note, right? It's one thing to say, that $5 note can buy me $5 worth of 
you know, I can go to Macca's and according to these dollar meals, I might be able to get a couple. I might be able to feed you and me for five bucks. I'm not sure. But what's the potential of this to multiply? If I was to sow this $5, how many dollars exists within its capacity? Only God can really number that. There's an old saying goes something like this. Any fool can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apple in a seed. Any fool can count the value in a note, but only God can count the potential value of this note if I was to sow it with the intent of reaping it. Paul goes on and says this, listen, because this gets really personal, okay? It's quite encouraging. He says this, As it is written, he who, dispersed, who, he, he who disperses abroad has given to the poor, his righteousness will endure forever. Now may he, God, capital H, may he who supplies seed. Now he's just um, drawn the parallel, the metaphor that seed is a, is a, is a type of, it's a, it's a word for your money. God will give seed to the sower. Now who was a sower? The beauty of this is you decide whether or not you're a sower. Uh, it doesn't say you give seed to the pastor. We give seed to the missionary, right? It doesn't say you give seed to the widow. It said you give seed to the sower. Anybody can be a sower. I don't care if you're here tonight and you're in grade nine, you've got a $5 note, you can be a sower. If you're here tonight and you know, you've been in business for many years, you, can, you, you might have a, a, a bag full of $50 notes, you can be a sower. Anybody with a piece of finance can be a sower. What I love about this is a promise. God... If you decide you're going to be a sower, it says God will give you seed. God who provides seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed, right? The finance that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. This is our vision offering today, vision offering Sunday. And we've got these baskets here as a sign of sowing and reaping, and, and in a few moments' time at the end of the service, I'm going to invite people to put something in this as a seed and believe for it to be multiplied uh, and believe for it to increase and grow. Now, um, I want to get the most out of this for you as I possibly can. I, I, I want this to be the most positive and breakthrough experience for you that you've ever had in your life. So, um, uh, uh, we've studied the Word. Right? We've looked all through the, 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 the parables of Jesus, the teachings of Paul, and we've come up with nine laws of the harvest. Now, I'm going to just whiz through them real quick, so I don't get too long. Nine points. We're going to be here forever. This morning went on for nearly 40 minutes, and he had one point. Tonight, he's got nine. Uh, figure that out. We're here to midnight. No, no, I'm, I'm just going to mention them real quick. All right? Quote a scripture, make a comment, give the point. Quote a scripture, make a comment, give the point kind of thing. Um, but the reason I'm doing this is because there's more to sowing than just planting, right? It's simple. You might go, oh, well, great. I'm going to plant a seed. I'm going to take something. And a seed, I'm going to sow this. And God bless you for doing that. And that indeed may bring an increase. That, that may bring a harvest. Uh, but as, I, I started, as I've studied this, I've seen there's more to it than just sowing. And so I'm going to give you these nine laws. Write them down because they will impact upon the level or the capacity of your harvest. Number one, they'll all appear up on the screen behind me, so I'll make it easy for you. Number one, well, that's pretty obvious. You must plant seed, right? You actually have to plant seed. It, starts with, it start, does start with, uh, with sowing. 
And Jesus made this statement, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Um, non-planted seed, just by the way, non-planted seed is, is not useless. Uh, non-planted seed is actually very important, particularly in this agricultural society of 2,000 years ago. Because they needed wheat to make bread, they needed flour, you know, wheat make flour, make bread. Uh, uh, they needed rice, they needed barley, they needed what they, the, the crops they collected from the field to eat to survive. Not just for them, but then to feed their, their uh, livestock so their livestock could grow, they could kill them and eat them. So non-planted seed is vital to life. But a farmer does know something. He knows this, that if I eat all of my seed, I've got nothing to assure myself of the next season's harvest. So eat some of the seed or eat most of the seed, but don't eat all of the seed. Don't take all of your seed and think it's for yourself. Because unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, right? In other words, I have no more control, no more power. I've buried it. It remains alone. But if you bury it, Jesus promises that it will produce much fruit. It will multiply itself over and over and over. Number one. Number two, you must plant what you need to harvest. Um, if you need oats, you would plant oats. If you needed rice, you would plant rice, etc. and so forth, obviously. In fact, uh, God made the statement in Genesis chapter 1, verse 12, that uh, each seed will, will, will bear fruit after its own kind. And, and Paul wrote this to the church in Galatia. He said, uh, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. And the truth is, if you find this hard to comprehend, if you're not buying it, if you're saying, Oh, I don't think so. You know, that's just an inanimate object. You can't sow that and get anything back. If you think that, have a think a little bit broader. Think emotionally. You buy it more emotionally, right? If you need love, you give love. If you need forgiveness, you give forgiveness. If you need acceptance, you give acceptance. If you need friends, if you're looking for friends and you've got no friends, then show yourself friendly. Uh, what, you, you, what, what you do is you, you, you ask yourself not who you are, but what you want to become. Who do I want to become? And then you start sowing to that and you will become that. If you want to become a popular person, you start becoming friendly with people. And as you become friendly with people, you become a popular person. Whatever it is that you want to become, that's what it is you start to sow to. This is just wisdom. So you've got to sow, but you've got to sow what it is that you're looking to harvest. We're starting off pretty slow. Right? This is pretty obvious stuff. Number three, you must plant in proportion to the way you want to reap. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. We've already read it. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. The area of sowing, the area of reaping, I should say, is qualified at the point of sowing. You know what you're going to reap at the point of sowing. You've established it at your point of sowing, not at your point of reaping. Um, I, I, I always get concerned with people who look at other people and go, oh, I wish I had what they had. And man, look, they've got so much more. And you know, the truth is you, you, you establish your harvest size at the size of your planting. Don't look to someone else's field or someone else's life and think, well, they've got more than I've got. No, you sow more, you reap more. You establish the level of your reaping at the point of your sowing. But here is the great news. So listen in, because this is really, really cool. How, you, how God establishes the size of your offering, how he establishes the size of your sowing is given to us by Jesus' comment on the widow in Mark um, 
12, 43, where he calls his disciples to himself and he says, Assuredly, I say to you, that poor widow has put more in than all the others. And she put in two mites, right, two coins. And there were other rich people who gave gold and silver and gave, gave huge amounts. And she put in a vacuum a, just a real little bit compared to them. But when you add to the equation the heart, she put in more. Because God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. So, so you might say, to them, well, I don't have much to sow. I can only sow a little bit because I've only got a little bit to sow. The good news is God doesn't look at the amount in terms of the check or the outcome. God looks at the value of the sacrifice. So the establishment of your harvest is seen in the level of the sacrifice that you make. You sacrifice much, you reap much. You sacrifice little, you reap little. You know, there have been farmers that have sown and have not reaped. Um, things have transpired, stuff has happened. Maybe there was a drought or there was a plague that came through and all the seed was destroyed. But the farmer never said to himself, oh, pff, blow, this, this is a waste of time. I've sown and nothing's happened. Sowing and reaping doesn't work. I'm leaving this idea and going on to something else. Now, what he does is next season around, he probably sows double the amount because he knows last season was destroyed because something happened to my seed. And if you're here tonight and you go, well, I've tried this and it's failed, hey, you're not the first person to sow and not reap. And, and, and the reason I say that is because look, look, at this next, look at this next concept. They're getting a little bit more complex as we go. But, but here's the next idea. Plant in good soil or good ground and maintain it. The, the parable of the sower brings this right into our focus where Jesus said this, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and he sowed, and some fell on the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it. No, no harvest. And some fell uh, on the stony place where there was not much earth, and they immediately sprung up. But because there was no depth of earth, the sun shone, and there was no harvest. So this sower went out and he sowed, but no harvest. So the Bible doesn't say, therefore, sowing and reaping doesn't work. Now, what we've got to, what we've got to take from that, the, the, the principle or the idea is, number one, plant in good soil, and number two, maintain the soil. Now, now what does that mean? Can I give, be a little bit more practical? Okay, let, let me help you here, right? Find something worthwhile to give your life into. Find something of value, something of substance, something that, that's, that, that lines up with the values and with the uh, direction of your life and sow yourself into that. And then make sure that you keep your attitude right. Make sure that you keep your spirit clean, all right? Uh, the, the Bible talks about a root of bitterness. And a root of bitterness can, can like spring out through your heart and can, can choke out the seeds that you've sown looking for your harvest, and so you've sown, but you've reaped little. And you know, what's, what's going on, God? I've sown and I've reaped little. And, and, and the reason for that, of course, is stuff happens, right? I mean, stuff happens to you, stuff happens to me, stuff happens to us all. But we're going to learn not to let bitterness take root in our hearts and go deep into the soil of our hearts and suck all the goodness out of the soil and, if you will, displace the harvest. Keep our attention on God. Plant in good soil and maintain it. Principle number five. We're already half over halfway there. We're doing all right, okay? Halfway there. And uh, gee, only quarter past six. We're doing well. Um, this is a good one. The harvest takes time. Unlike my sermon tonight, that's going quite quickly. The harvest takes time. For me, anyhow, some of you are thinking, you're kidding me, aren't you? This is taking time. <laughs> um, 
the author of Hebrews says, says this. He says, uh, he's in, encouraging these people. He says uh, uh, that you don't become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. Through faith and patience. In other words, it took time. It took time. There's a process here. When you plant and you maintain the soil of your heart, don't expect a harvest tomorrow. Don't expect a harvest next week. Allow the process to have its way with your life. Um, I remember as a child uh, having a, a vegetable garden in my backyard. I saw this vegetable garden on television. I've got to have one of those. You know how it is. And, uh, and so I got the chook poo and everything and dug it all up and, and, uh, and dug it all in and got my little garden ready and put some seeds in and watered it and watered it. It came out the next morning. Is it growing yet? Nothing was there. Watered it some more. Came out the next morning. Is it growing yet? Nothing there. Watered it some more. Came out the next morning. Is it growing yet? Oh man, this is taking forever. <laughs> Man, about four or four, every, every morning I came out like it's at, at up by six, seven o'clock in the morning to see whether or not I had a harvest. And after about a week of this, I thought, I'd blow this. Maybe they're growing the wrong way. Maybe I put the seed in upside down. <laughs> so I thought, I better just check. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you know, you want to do, imagine this is carrots growing out, you know, on the other side of the world, out in China or whatever. That's in America. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> because of American cartoons, I think, uh, whatever is the other side of the earth to, 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 to Australia. So, so I dug it up, and in digging it up, guess what I did? I wrecked everything. <laughs> no harvest for you, mate, because you had no patience. You've got to have patience. It takes time. The processes of God take time. And whenever you put something in on, on some kind of term deposit or something, you withdraw it early, you pay a penalty, you sow a seed and you get sick of waiting and you turn your back on it or you try to force it out yourself, you'll pay a price. Let the process do its work. Employ patience, faith and patience, expectation that God is up to something and a, and, and a preparedness to wait. I'm going to wait because I know my God. I got seed in the soil there. I, I planted in, in the field. I know there's a harvest coming my way. Law number six. This is a good one. Expense is always highest at harvest time. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. What was he doing? He was hiring laborers. He went to the marketplace early and he, and he brought guys back to his property because the grapes were ready on the vine and he needed to harvest them and bring them in. And he was paying this guy, and if you read the rest of the story, he goes out again at lunchtime and again with an hour to go and pays more money. Uh, the same amount to this guy who worked all day is the same amount to the guy who works for just the last hour because he was so desperate to get the harvest in. And he was paying these guys at the end of the day and the harvest hadn't gone to market yet and he hadn't received any income from his harvest. But he's paying out, he's paying out, he's paying out. And he, here's the thought, folks. How many know what's darkest just before the dawn, right? How many know that when you're working a process, sowing and reaping, <laughs> and, and, and your life's out of control, and there's glass breaking for no apparent reason, right? And, and the car's breaking down, and this has gone wrong, and that's gone wrong. And you think, oh, I thought this was going to work, and this isn't working. I've got to tell you, it's working right now, because expense is always highest just before the harvest, <laughs> Now's the time to dig in. Now's the time to, to believe God. This isn't the time to throw it all up and go, ah, oh, forget it, it's too hard, it doesn't work. 
You need to understand that just before the harvest is the time of highest expense, ask the owner of the vineyard who has all these guys lined up and he's dishing out the dollars and the grapes are still sitting over there in the baskets they were harvested in because he hadn't got them to market. That would be the next day and he gets to sell the, the grapes at the market or whatever and he gets his, he gets his the return on his investment. But pr- just before the return on his investment, there was this huge outgoing. And so there's normally a huge outgoing just before it's, it's time, just before God brings the blessing, just before the harvest takes place. Galatians 6, 9 um, reminds us to keep sowing because in due season you'll reap if you faint not. In due season, just wait and, and don't let, don't let uh, runaway expenditure cause your heart to fear and go, oh, well, maybe it doesn't work. Uh, maintain your faith maintain your patience we are not those who shrink back the the, the author of hebrews says uh, law number seven only two to go after this one law number seven this is you'll like this one this is a really fun one law number seven is the farmer is the first partaker of the fruit um, paul writes to the corinthians is it who plants the vineyard does not eat of its fruit or who tends the flock does not drink of the milk of the flock in other words hey if you've sown and if you've reaped, well, take some of your harvest and enjoy it. Have a good time. Pay yourself. Have a party. Invite some friends. Hey, you have the blessing of God to indulge on yourself. Don't feel guilty. Don't think, oh, well, you know, I, I shouldn't be just spending this money. You know what happens, and I've seen this happen. In fact, I've maybe even, maybe even done it myself. Um, where you explain the good things you have away to other people because you don't want them to think that, you know, you've been blessed in such a way that you can get good things. <laughs> and some people say, oh, that's really nice. Oh, I bought it cheap. <laughs> you know, or I got it at a discount. Or, uh, you know, oh, well, that just happened. And, you know, you, if you kind of feel a little embarrassed about the blessing of God in your life, this seems to me God's saying, enjoy the blessing of God. Don't be embarrassed. Don't try to hide it. If God has blessed you, be blessed. Enjoy it. Partake in it. And don't, you know, if someone, get, they get, you know, dirty because of it or they've got attitude problems because of it, that's their problem, not yours. Don't hide it. Don't, don't be ashamed of it. Enjoy it. The farmer enjoys the harvest it's a law of the harvest so when you increase and your life increases and you take better holidays and buy a better car and get better clothes or whatever wear them with pride enjoy them because jesus seemed to think it was okay law number eight this is a really important one and this is kind of just a a, a little snapshot of, of the message from this morning but it says this Harvest is reaped both on the earth and in heaven. Um, Jesus in Matthew 6 says, Don't lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where those things don't happen. Uh, everything you have on the earth uh, eventually breaks down. Everything you have on the earth, you buy stuff, eventually it, it, uh, it's out of date or it wears out. But what he's saying here is that you, can, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on the head. So understand this, when you sow, that you don't just reap in this life, you reap in this life, but there is eternal reward. There is an eternal reaping. You are laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. And don't lose sight of that. 
right? Don't just become so temporally minded. You think, well, it's all about now. Sure, there is a, a, a harvesting now. We, we can kind of d- d- um, determine that from what the, Jesus said. But there's also a harvesting later. So keep your, your spirits high and your mind focused that the harvest is not just for now, but the harvest is also for later. And the last one, all right? This is the last point. So you'll be out of here in five minutes. The last point, law number nine. This is a good one. You'll like this one. Um, Paul writing again to the church at Corinth, he says this is important. Um, He says, I planted, uh, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Uh, What Paul is saying here is, I, I, I sowed. I sowed the seed. Apollos came along and Apollos watered the seed. But the increase... The multiplication was a miracle. That was given by God. And the truth of the matter is, man and his entire technological advance in biomedicine cannot create a reproducible seed. He can't do it. With all of our knowledge, with all of our advancement, we cannot generate seed that multiplies. That can only happen in the wild. (laughs) That can only happen naturally. That can only happen because it's a God thing. Man cannot create multiplication. We have to take the raw materials that God has created and multiplication takes place from that. And all I simply want to say, I guess, is this. Don't try to figure it out because you can't, right? It's, it's easy to kind of say, well, if I have $5 and I give $3, I've only got $2 left. Before I had $5, now I've got $2. Before I could have bought a Big Mac, now all I can get is a cheeseburger. <laughs> I've just reduced my options, reduced my capacity, because I gave three away. And I understand that form of mathematics. I understand you coming up with that conclusion. That's not a strange thing for anybody to do. But you're not taking God into that equation. (laughs) If you had five and you gave three to God, you sowed it, then you got a harvest coming. And I don't know how it works. I can't describe it to you. I can't point to you exactly where the multiplication takes part and how the cells multiply. And I can't explain to you how how human beings multiply. But we do, we're here. You know, uh, my wife and I got married one plus one. Now there's five of us. <laughs> one stage there was five of us living in the one house. Only two of us moved in. How did that happen? <laughs> Multiplication. It's a God thing. You, you can't define it. You, you, you can't point to it and, and, and say, well, this is how it happens. Oh, we've got some idea. We put a seed in the ground. We water it. We, you know, we fertilize it. We weed it. Sure, we understand that. But the actual point of multiplication, where that one seed becomes dozens, you can't figure that out. Nobody can. It's a God thing. It's a miracle. See, the last law of the harvest is that the harvest is always a miracle. You must plant seed. You plant what you need to harvest. You plan in proportion to the way that you reap. Remember, the proportion is the size of sacrifice. You plan in good ground and you maintain it. You wait. The harvest takes time. 
You don't let expense discourage you because expense is always highest at harvest time. You enjoy the harvest. You enjoy the harvest for eternity. And you enjoy the harvest for eternity. It's a miracle. Nine laws of the harvest is taught by Jesus and by Paul. And I hope is by instituted and by leveraged, by understood and by used by Centro Church. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 